Hello, welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. I'm your host, Erin. I'm a Philly-based healing artist, and this is a podcast to support your healing journey. Hello, sweet humans. Welcome back to another episode of the Living Open podcast which is for the summer, coming out every other Monday instead of every Monday because it's summer and so many things are happening and I'm sad. <laughs> That's why it's, it's coming out every other week instead of every week. Thank you for understanding and for being here and tuning in and being part of this community of podcast listeners it um the podcast would literally be nothing without you so i'm really happy you're here um today's episode is with flory huang who is just grounded and soft and deep and wonderful and i really loved our conversation it's on restedness possibility and wholeness flora uses she they pronouns and they're a deep feeler seeker and seer um, who establishes containers for deep deep inquiry relation and being she's a creator guide and facilitator trained and certified as a professional mindfulness teacher, restorative yoga teacher, conscious energy medicine worker, and former personal training coach. What we talked about on this episode, we get into their journey with spirituality and healing, holding hope, possibility, and change, the space between the person you are and the version of yourself you know you can be, being perceived in our wholeness, the somatics of possibility, the contraction before the expansion, and how contraction can teach us about restedness, the ever-beloved meta-emotions, having roots within the feeling swirl, hot takes on the always-expanding culture of spirituality, and more. I think the more these conversations grow into being so much less linear and expansive and wandering, it becomes harder and harder to pull out these little, little bullet point tidbits of what we talked about. But please just, just trust me that this is a lovely conversation. And we really, um, we talk about healing and spirituality and being alive and coming into our wholeness and accessing restedness and and non-urgency together. So I hope you enjoy. You can find all of the links to connect with Flory in the description. You can also find links to order my poetry collection, Moon Sign and check out the Religious Trauma Workbook, which has a lot of prompts and meditations, rituals, reflections, somatic exercises to support deprogramming and healing and reclaiming after dogmatic religion, particularly and especially Christianity, Um, and links to some other things in the description as well. I feel like I want to say, hope you're all well, but I'm like, how how is that even possible? So I guess I will say I hope that 
you all are finding access to all the beautiful things about being alive as well even when we're being deeply deeply confronted with some of the horrors of being alive sending you all lots of love hope you enjoy this conversation with flory so i would love to start our conversation how i start all of these conversations which is just by asking you to share about your journey i would love to hear about your journey with healing with rest and how you've gotten to this place in your life and this beautiful work that you do yeah so what's really interesting every time i reflect on my journey um in a way as much as it was paved with agency and courage and challenge and crisis mm-hmm. um i th- i feel like when i'm in it it actually is quite clear in terms of you know it's almost like there are a limited number of choices so the background and context for that is um, at a very young age, I just was very self-aware, I suppose. And with that self-awareness, you know, what a gift. And then at the same time, as a child, when you don't have maybe all the resources, maybe you're not in the right communities to foster these gifts, um, it can become really alienating and really overwhelming and intense. And so my journey really began in a place of seeking um, because there was, you know, discomfort present just as much as there was a lot of wonder and curiosity and, you know, the question of like, but why, (laughs) you know, and what else? Um, So questions like that, Um, really paved just what it meant for me to be able to relate to not only myself, but the world. Mm -hmm. And so growing up with especially immigrant Taiwanese parents um, in North America, this was really tumultuous, right? Just because I had not only a generational distance from them, but also these different layers and nuances in the cultural and what what I was growing up with, what I was surrounded by, and yet very much at home, living through at the same time. And so as I came into my early 20s, a big part of this relationship that I have really dedicated a deeper relationship with, I guess, this deeper investment, this deeper inquiry um, was, you know, moving through my undergraduate studies. There were so many moments um, where I found myself looking around and asking these questions that nobody else seemed to really be asking. Nobody else really seemed to want to answer. Everybody was just really busy getting the grades, getting the jobs, doing the things and just doing all the things socially too. Right. Of course, such a exciting, expensive time. Um, And like many people 
I burnt out mm-hmm. and that burning out was really hitting a hard rock bottom <laughs> and it was painful. It was really, really painful. It was really, you know, agonizing. And so throughout my twenties, while I did not stop searching this really beautifully led me to crossing paths with a lot of different people who were oftentimes older than me in terms of of having a little bit more lived experience, some different perspectives and insights. And as a byproduct of becoming friends with and learning from these people, you know, finally I was getting these tools to really recognize, oh, all that alienation and discomfort that I really felt, you know, those were parts of wounds. Those were parts of scars. Those were parts of things that, um, you know, can, can really transform when I give them my attention. Mm. Um, and so specifically with the rest of revolution as well. Coincidentally, I had had the privilege of arriving in a place where stepping away from corporate work and corporate culture for the last time, I was able to actually ask myself, you know, what would my life consist of without this so-called work? Mm. And so with this very interesting, you know, binary, um, right before we discovered the global pandemic that is COVID-19. I actually got to spend a couple months where because work was not the axis of which my days, you know, was tethered or designed around. Mm -hmm. um, I realized that this restedness that I was looking for, this resting that I'd been craving for a really long time um, was a very vast terrain and it actually doesn't seem to really have any limits. Mm. And so my very long answer to your question is just that, you know, this journey started and is ongoing um, coming from a place of exploration of inquiry Um, And really all of it, though, is grounded in this optimism, perhaps, of just possibility, right, of how things can be different, of how I can be different, and what that means, not only in my personal experience, but also how I move through the world and how communities are then interacting with me. So. I suppose that's the best answer I can give to that right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, that can never be it. You know, there's always, (laughs) it's such an open question. Yeah. It's a journey in itself. And I love that. Um, But yeah. Yeah. I think what is, what's standing out right now is what you just shared about that, like optimism and possibility that like, the world can be different, that spaces you're in can be different, and also that you can be different. I think that feels like a really interesting place to kind of uh, pull at, because I think 
I think sometimes we can get into this idea that we, um, that like accepting ourselves and loving ourselves can mean that like we never want to change or that we don't need to change. And I feel more interested in the being in this space of like, I can accept myself and love myself and care about myself exactly as I am in this moment while also holding the possibility and hope of like becoming a version of myself that is more me and more true and moves through the world in a way that's more in alignment with how I want to and who I really am. And that feels like a lovely, a lovely tension to hold. Yeah, absolutely. And to me, that's part of what I would actually, I guess, articulate as being self-loving, right? Is that integrity of holding yourself accountable, not in a way that's really oppressive or rigid or controlling, but really recognizing, you know, what does potential actually mean to me? And exactly like you said, right? Am I walking the talk? Am I being about it? Or am I just, you know, liking how it sounds, liking how something looks? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that embodiment, you know, goes hand in hand with that self-awareness that I spoke of where because I was so clear on what it felt like to kind of experience uh, that level of integrity or like have that accountability from another person, I realized like, oh, well, I have my responsibility too, right? Like, am I going to be really consistent or am I going to be inconsistent, right? And it's just an interesting reference that kind of evolved from paying attention to that like very very like nuanced layer of being an ever evolving person (laughs) yeah it feels very Saturnian in a way of like what's the space between like the person that you are in this moment and the version of yourself that you know you can be that is like Mm -hmm. more in integrity more in alignment and like not letting that space be a space of like yeah, rigidity, like you said, or like beating yourself up or those kinds of energies, but like just noticing that that space is there and feeling into like, oh, how can I, how can I start to close that space and move more and more towards, towards that self? And yeah, something about that feels very Saturn. Like even those words you were using of like responsibility. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) totally. Yeah. And I mean, you know, this could just be a me thing too, but I really do also experience a lot of joy in that right like there is a lot of this delight and like almost it's almost like surprising yourself yeah right and um, I've spoken about it in the past especially to friends when you know whenever we're trying new things or Mm -hmm. starting over or even letting something go and it's just like we all have that inner critic that's kind of like, oh, this isn't good enough or like mm-hmm. this is this shouldn't be happening or X, Y, Z. And I, I legitimately um, have always been so glad that I don't listen to that voice when I, you know, take risks or just try for the sake of trying um, because then you can prove that wrong and that experience can be really you know, just really liberating. And, um, it's something to, 
yeah, something that always makes me kind of laugh and smile in the end where it's like, okay, that was just about proving myself wrong, but there's like something beautiful in that kind of ritual with self, you know? Yeah. And I feel like there's something there for me around like sort of Christian ideals around purity and like mm-hmm. perfectionism too, where like if we're holding these beliefs and ideas that like we have to be this certain way, this perfect way, we have to be like, if we're not 100% in alignment with our values and beliefs at all times, we are bad, we are terrible, then like there's, I feel like there's no spaciousness in there. That feels like so tight and closed in. And like, I can't move from that place. I can't move mm. in the directions I want to go. I'll just like stay mm. stuck like this. People can't see what I'm doing, but you can see what I'm doing. <laughs> I'll but, just stay stuck. Yeah. yeah. But it is, I mean, it is a contraction, right? And yeah. I've been there too. The times that I've you know, made myself small or that I've like shrunk in parts of myself in order to, you know, make someone else comfortable or in order to make myself comfortable. (laughs) Like those are, that's a really difficult way, actually, in my opinion, in my experience to move through the world, right. Rather than, um, I feel like you're speaking to this wholeness, right. Of just like really fully showing up, really being, and then kind of like figuring it out there and like moving moment to moment there. Yeah. And that's so vulnerable though. You know, when you're small, you're so much more safe. And when you're like being perceived in your wholeness, it's like, absolutely. uh. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That's something I still struggle with. I'm still like day in and day out. I'm just, I think about it and I like try to check myself on it. And yeah. And it's true. Right. If we're tiny and just like, you know, nobody notices really a tiny grain of sand blowing around, Mm -hmm. but if you're, you know, sweeping in like a big storm or, you know, or if you're this majestic mountain, like you're mm-hmm. visible and that is really vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you spoke to that, you know, alienation and feeling alienated and feeling not belonging in, in your story, that feels so resonant for me too. And that feels like a response, that smallness, it was a response to like those things of like, absolutely, yeah. If you just like make yourself really small, then you can be part of the group and no one will even really notice. But if you're too big, they might just cast you right out. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, we're, that's so part of our DNA, literally, socially, um, even spiritually too. Um, so of course, normal and natural. And at the same time, right. Coming back to that optimism, the possibility that you and I have both been able to touch in our lives. Like Mm -hmm. there's also a whole different, you know, richness that exists beyond that. Yeah, even when you say the words optimism and possibility, I feel like rolling my shoulders back and like I remember that I I love that. Like (laughs) chest up. Yeah. Yeah. Just saying it full chest. Yeah. Uh Yeah. And like embodying my body a little bit more, occupying that space a little bit more, that it feels like the energy of those words and those states feels so good to me. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. I think as we're talking about this, 
um, this idea of contraction and this smallness. I'm wondering if you want to talk at all about feeling through that like contraction that comes before expansion and how, um, yeah, those things move together and we move through those cycles. Cause I think that's so important and has been so present throughout my life too. Yeah. I mean, that's something I'm personally navigating right now. I'm noticing that, you know, as much as we just said, we don't have to be small. I do also recognize and am beginning to more deeply understand that contraction is also part of, you know, this natural state, right? Very much like the ebbing and flowing of anything that has phases that's cyclical. Um, and that's natural, right? That's That doesn't have to be contracted as in too small or not enough or too still or too slow. Um, and this, you know, really makes me also think about and really helps me remember resting and restedness in this way because we're all living beings. This state of restedness can become really foreign just in the modern cultures that we're all part of. <laughs> and it is sold and celebrated to be expanding all the time, right? To be expanding quickly. And I mean that socially, I mean that physically, I mean that economically, I mean that even spiritually at this point, like people are measuring <laughs> somehow. Um, that's probably another whole tangent that we could also dip into. Um, and for me, what I see here is just another spectrum, right? Where we can really reference for ourselves because that's really all we can do. Um, there is this whole spectrum of reference where we can ask ourselves and where we do have the opportunity to really take care of ourselves in a rested way throughout either the expansion and or even contraction. And so for myself right now, contraction looks like I am, you know, really processing life changes that are going to directly impact my day-to-day. -day. They directly impact how I work. They directly impact then how I'm going to, you know, generate my livelihood, which is, which then feeds back into itself and all of these things, um, as well as who I'm physically going to be in community with you know, who I am becoming as well. And I've found myself to be extremely restless mm -hmm. for the past few weeks. My brain is just constantly looking for solutions to things that it can't control right now in terms of, mm -hmm. you know, trying to navigate. Let's make sure a negative outcome over here doesn't happen. Like, how can I 
control X, Y, Z so that I can do ABC, right? Um, and it goes on, right? All the what, what ifs and the what abouts. Um, and that is a huge drain of energy. That mm-hmm. is a huge sinkhole for time. And ultimately, there is a very thin threshold where we also very much need to honor that aspect of our humanity and where that is part of the resting is for me to be thinking and thinking of this yet allowing myself not to take action, allowing myself not to make any more decisions, maybe allowing myself to just really recognize where I am right now, rather than trying to avoid it or distract myself from it or bypass it as quickly as possible. And so in this way, I find there's an interesting, almost paradox where while contraction and expansion clearly have very distinct qualities, again, if we come back to what one form of arrested baseline could look like, we can show up for both of these things in a similar way. And so I know that that is probably very ambiguous sounding. (laughs) It is very personal. And the best example I can give or the best reference I can give is just for me, what that means is when I catch myself just scatterbrained, you know, when I'm like on hyperdrive, just like that frantic energy, that same contraction where I'm just like, ah, and I just want to shut down and close up and harden up. There is an opportunity for me to actually soften. Mm -hmm. And if we want to go back to maybe the grain of sand analogy, what if I am just fully a grain of sand? Mm. Right? Like, yeah. We don't have to try to aim to be an atom or a molecule from a grain of sand. <laughs> we can just be the grain of sand. And sometimes that's just it, right? Up until I can kind of accumulate back into that majestic mountain, right? That is a lot bigger. That is maybe more grounded in a different sense. Um, but there's something about really just being with. Mm-hmm what is here and to me that is part of the just like the definition of restedness that I speak about both personally and professionally in my work as well is how do we make space right how do we be unrushed Mm. and and this doesn't this doesn't dismiss or diminish right any possibility either way Um, Because we know that time will continue to unravel and things will change and that we will change. Um, And yet there's something almost radical about really just being in it. Yeah, I think to me, this practice and this work that you're speaking about of just like being with what is, is being alive to me. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like this is restedness and this is what it means to to be alive, to actually be with what is, whether it's like 
a beautiful flower on the street or it's like the anxiety in my chest or it's the person that I'm experiencing in this moment it's like to actually just be with all of it whether it's like comfortable and feels really exciting and good or uncomfortable and feels really hard and you know, I'm not always being with everything. I'm definitely numbing out. And Absolutely. At times for sure. And I think yeah. that's totally fine. But <laughs> my intention is like, I want to be alive. And I feel like I'm here to experience aliveness and being human for this, such a short time relatively. And yeah, I don't want to miss what's here, even if it is like, feels really tight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and this is the thing too, you know, we are often conditioned to really seek out not only expansion, but the highs that come with resonance, right? All these brilliant, beautiful, pretty, like very happy, joyous moments. And while that's absolutely a birthright, while that's absolutely like a real priority that we can all choose, I also am so grateful for dissonance because dissonance creates so much clarity for us. And, and I think part of what you're saying, right, with that, like the tightness in the chest or these really difficult conversations, these difficult moments or these unpleasant experiences, we have the opportunity to ask ourselves, okay, how can we show up in the best way for also this? And what are we really walking away with, right? Um coming from a place of boundaries. No, we don't have to absorb a bunch of negativity. No, we don't have to hold ourselves, you know, to impossible standards. And yet perhaps all we really need is like fully acknowledging, wow, that was not a conducive experience or interaction. And we're going to know that like, we never want to impose that on someone else. Or Mm -hmm. I know that that has, you know, no place in my life. Um, And so there, I think there's something around almost a bit of an echo, right. Of that same way of relating to our contraction and our expansion in our lives, knowing that there is a time and place for all of us, right? All parts of ourselves too. Yeah. And that, that it's okay. You know, I think that shame is something that comes up for me often, definitely in the past and still does around like the state that I am experiencing, like as if I, it's like the meta emotions that Emily Ngoski talks about is like, I have a feeling about my feeling. I have shame Absolutely. about my fear. I have sadness about my anger. You know, I have like all these feelings about the feelings. And it's like, if I can actually just be with them and be like, it's okay. Like these, these feelings, I think a place that I want to be in is that they're all neutral. Like it's all, they're all fine. They all have their place and some I might prefer or not prefer, but like, it's okay for them to all be here. And it's actually just true. Like it's just, yeah, true that they it's will real. All be here. Yeah. <laughs> That's just what it is. <laughs> I love that. No. And, and I, I so, yeah, I so feel you on that one. Yeah. I, and of course it is a practice. It's a living practice because we are human and life is a lot, yes. <laughs> uh, but you know, it is really 
that invitation to see these feelings as messengers, as Mm -hmm. information, and then not like, you know, (laughs) jump on a speeding train and like whisk away to some, you know, some place that we don't actually mean to be just boom. Right. Um, And sometimes also maybe we do need to be there. Right. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I hear you. It's, it's, it's funny that you bring up the meta emotions too, because speaking with the, speaking to the contraction, you know, I've really been able to notice on my better days when I'm, you know, a lot more rested, I'm able to just really stay grounded Mm -hmm. and just notice, okay, Flo, you're just stressing about being stressed. Like, why don't we let that (laughs) top layer go? And we're just going to be a little bit stressed, but yeah. You know, things aren't going to happen instantaneously. And then, you know, there are other steps I can take. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely. I'm one of those people who will feel sad about feeling sad. Yes. Feeling stressed about feeling stressed. I'm like, oh, my heart. I feel it so much. <laughs> I got so many of us now, right? Like, how could it not really? Yeah. Um, not that I wish that on anyone, but... <laughs> It's yeah, pretty real. Not, but it's definitely real. <laughs> I think there's something that you're saying that I've been working on learning how to do, which is being grounded in my feelings. Like I'm kind of like mm. envisioning myself as like a tree trunk with like these feelings swirling around me and like they're here and I'm with them and I feel them, but that's not all there is. There's also this like grounded part of me that's not getting like totally, I mean, aspirationally, it's not getting totally like swept away in the chaotic feelings, but isn't like bypassing them. And it's like, they're still here and we're still feeling them, but I, I'm also touching this like deeper part of myself that knows like, I'm a grain of sand, nothing matters and everything matters, you know, like it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting, yeah, I'm getting the imagery of like the roots, right? Literally having roots in the soil, yet perhaps, yes, the storm is going on and the bark is straining, right? The leaves are getting blown off and yet still having that connection not, you know, severed or not being affected. Yeah, I think connection to... um nature feels like such a teacher for literally everything that we're talking about here and especially when I think about that expansion and contraction like I feel like until a few years ago I never even really noticed the seasons besides like it's cold or it's hot but I wasn't like wow look at this tree and how it's changing or like actually noticing like the nuances of the season Mm. and like the gradual yeah. Pieces, yeah. yeah or even like how the leaves are this like soft bright green in the beginning of spring and then they slowly change and they become this like richer green in summer like I feel like I was not paying attention for so long and I feel like this this cycle that nature continually continually goes through and especially where I live um in Philly like we get all the seasons and I grew up on the east coast and we really go experience like every season um 
is such a teacher for being with the cycles and how all things change and everything also like comes back around and there's restedness literally built into nature. Like death is built into nature. Expansion is built into nature. Like it's all here. Um, And that can, that can hold us and support those states within ourselves and those learnings within ourselves. Absolutely. What do you think changed? Mm. Or maybe not, maybe changed is like a big event, but what do you, what do you feel like, you know, evolved that sense for you or ticked you off to, you know, really notice? Yeah, I think it's just been part of my healing journey and my journey with spirituality. Like, I went from growing up in Christianity to fully rejecting that and pushing that away. And then slowly, like around the end of college, late college started to like bring in spiritual practice. And Mm -hmm. I think as I started connecting more spirituality and especially growing into spirituality that was more nature-based, I really started to like wake up to nature around me and the world around me and be like, oh my God this is God, these trees, this dirt, you know? And I didn't, I didn't know before. I wasn't in that connection before. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, I feel grateful. I think I'm also curious to ask you if you want to go back to what you mentioned before (laughs) about how we're supposed to be like spiritually expanding all the time. Oh. I'd love to dig into that. <laughs> about this. Uh, yes. I've got I've got I've got some hot takes <laughs> for that for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you also just said it, right? This is God. God is here, right? Like it's first and foremost something that I really consciously acknowledged a long time ago. Don't ask me how, because <laughs> I still can't figure it out. To me, there are many languages for the same truths. And that being said, maybe truths are nature, right? The law of nature of maybe even just quantum matter, right? And the mm-hmm multitudes of again possibility that exist perhaps um and what we're really seeing now is as i guess our collective consciousness expands as it becomes more connected yet also disconnected in some ways with, with, you know, the internet being quite literally a form of a web of consciousness that we can all tap into. We're really being very human in testing and pushing the limits of that. Right. And at the same time, we do live in a society where historically and ongoing at the moment, There are systems that are specifically designed to benefit some and majorly oppress others. And so 
we see coming out of the first two years of COVID, there's been a beautiful acknowledgement of how important mental health is because it was just an undeniable, you know, collective experience and trauma that has very real, you know, needs for actions. And yet at the same time, there is this very interestingly, I guess, kind of like insidious and maybe not the best intended layer in that uh, where when we look at colonial capitalist priorities or values, there's a lot of money being made right now uh, to try to take care of certain things. Meanwhile, we have some systems and some decisions that you know are not preventative, are not proactive, are not um, focused or oriented for community care. And without going into, you know, many ideologies and historic accounts or research, um, spirituality has had some of itself, I guess, commodified. And in that commodification is where people are now kind of measuring, oh, how can I be more spiritual versus less spiritual? You know, what does it mean to be the most spiritual versus the least spiritual. Um, and of course, at the end of the day, right, this is such a sacred personal element of our lives. Yet, I think because of the way modern North American culture, you know, has developed and is built and is structured, there is also something happening here where a lot of people are hoping to seek answers in a way that is also instantly gratified versus invested in versus uh, self-explored or self-studied. Um, and that's not to say research is bad. Research we know is very important. <laughs> we, we know credibility is also very important. We know that expertise, right, can really either care for us or harm, harm us. And at the same time, I think the best intentions of really wanting to access spirituality sometimes also become a little bit problematic or even weaponized, right? Because then it really gets shoved into, okay, how can we flatten this to make it the most consumable? How do we make this as widely accessible as possible? And there are, again, just darker you know, harmful byproducts that come out of that. And um, it's, it's just where we are at. <laughs> really, I mean, just like we said, right, it's, it's where we're at. Um, I personally, you know, don't think it's great. It hurts my heart a little bit. And at the same time, you know, this is just, this is part of the journey, right, for everyone. We just may be at different places with it um you know we've all even between you and i we've had very different timings very different experiences very different practices or modalities of what we can refer to as spiritual practice as being spiritual um and 
right now as it feels like things are kind of being ironed out. It is just currently being measured, right? Um, and it's just up to each and every one of us to figure out <laughs> what that's going to mean. <laughs> yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah. What do you see? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I really agree that it doesn't feel good for me. And it makes me think about, I feel like I had a stage in my own spiritual practice where. I didn't realize at the time, but looking back, I was sort of viewing myself as like a project and I had like Mm. not literal checklists, but basically checklists of like things that I needed to like heal or work on or focus on. And it was very like rigid and linear. Um, And I feel like I was putting this pressure on myself to do this, like to constantly be working on something specific to improve myself to heal like I was going to get a grade on it and you know I I need to get an A obviously yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah, obviously I need to get an A obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and I think that just kind of like left my body out of the equation and was not spacious and I just that's just not a fit for me and how I want to relate to myself and to spiritual practice and to healing. And like, I think it's beautiful to be intentionally working with something. And it's not that I'm like, Oh, we're never going to do that again. But I think the way that I was going about it and the way I was kind of taught to go about it was that like, if you're not like, you don't have this checklist of all these things that you're working on and you're working towards your a, then like you're bad. You're not even spiritual. Mm -hmm. And I just don't believe that. And that just feels really bad in my body when I actually like take space to think about what does spirituality mean to me and how do I want a spiritual practice and a healing practice to support my actual life and my existence right now. Um, And so moving into a more spacious practice where rest can be centered, where I can actually meet myself where I am, all these things that we're talking about and where I can go through cycles of like, oh, there's something I'm really intentionally engaging with. And then I'm just living, you know, like I feel like when I'm paying attention to life, I never have to be like, oh, let me sit down and figure out what I need to heal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I just pay attention, I'm like a million things are presented, you know? <laughs> it's not- and, you, and you're actively, you already are healing through that. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the sort of, yeah, that we have to be spiritually expanding all the time just feels like capitalism and feels just doesn't feel good for me. Um, But I definitely think that I was bought into that at a certain point in my life and, and that's okay, but I'm definitely transitioned away from that and feel much more like meeting my life in each moment and meeting myself and paying attention is spiritual. Absolutely. And the word that comes to mind hearing you, you know, describe this discernment is really integration, right? Yeah. Also comes back to embodiment as well. What I find really interesting 
with spirituality specifically, or even wellness, for example, these are elements and qualities of living that are actually, I, I really deeply feel are actually as precedents, nonverbal experiences, you know? So for me, that's always kind of been a bit of that point of reference where, yes, like you said, there are practices where we are doing specific things to support our connection to spirituality. And at the same time, for me, that is something that I always recognize, right, is lacking in more of that sold concept or like the very commercial, maybe a little bit more aesthetic, little less substantial form of spirituality. I'm practicing not being apologetic about just saying it as it is. <laughs> and that is, you know, a big part of it, like you said, right? While it isn't anyone's job, including mine, you know, I'm not telling anyone here what is spiritual and what's not. I do stand by also understanding that by simply doing spiritual things does not make you spiritual, right? And there are a lot of people who live life spiritually, yet from our perspectives, maybe they don't do any quote-unquote spiritual practices. Maybe there aren't any modules or ceremonies or rituals, and yet by them intentionally being here right now and them intentionally showing up that is actually one of the most spiritual things we can do as human beings so yeah yeah I think how I think of it is like all the other stuff is nice you know like crystals whatever doing rituals yeah tools whatever. important yeah really powerful lovely but like that's not spirituality and you don't yes. need it to be spiritual to have absolutely practice it can support but that's not it like that's not it that's not it exactly yeah exactly. yeah yep that's where I'm at <laughs> yeah yeah and I mean that's really yeah speaking about measuring it right yeah. that's another example it's not about hey I have more crystal singing bowls than you or <laughs> my crystal singing bowl is larger than yours or like a specific frequency. I did recall me, every moon phase this year. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, and don't get me wrong though, at the same time, devotion, discipline, right. Practice that does have my respect, you know, in the right context and how spiritual are you? in being graceful with adversity mm -hmm. how do you show up to injustice who are you when no one is around how do you treat yourself right mm -hmm. these are also equally if not you know even deeper spiritual practices to yeah. invite us to living in a way that is like truly loving that is truly rested that is you know, joyful and clear and oriented towards liberation. So, 
Yes. Like how does your spirituality show up in how you treat other people, how you treat yourself, how you show up, how you move through the world, how you respond when you're pressed and pushed, like how, yeah, that feels like so much more important to me. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. I I really enjoy our conversation so much. Thank Um, you for having me. It was such an honor. Oh my gosh, of course. I just want to ask you the last question I always ask on this show, if you have time for it. Absolutely. Cool. It's just, what does living open mean to you? What comes up when you hear that? Oh, so juicy. I love that. I just have the biggest smile on my face, even Mm. being asked (laughs) that, because I feel like that's such a, such a portal to like heart. Living open to me. means trusting myself to just keep showing up and in trusting myself that feels like being open and in the sense of really allowing myself to be receptive, whether that's, you know, new information, new experiences, new challenges, um, and also being receptive enough to connect with others, to collaborate and to receive. Yeah. And just really, yeah, it's interesting when you say living open, I think about, Ooh, yeah. How do I stay open for more passion for more creation for more joy so that's what living open means to me thank you for sharing I feel like in all my favorite conversations I have on the show we're talking about living open the whole time and then we get that question it's like this is a you know this is a recap but we've been talking about it the whole time and I really feel like we've been talking about it this whole this whole conversation Um, I agree with that. Yeah. Can you tell people where they can check you out online and work with you? Yeah, absolutely. I so welcome you to come over to the rested revolution, all one word.com. And there you'll find more considerations. You'll find resources, tools. You can find information for us to have a conversation. I'm so happy when people connect with me. And clearly I'm here just like Aaron to take these deep dives, to swim far, to really yeah, float along and really think and feel through it all. And on Instagram, it is the dot rested dot revolution where I'm showing up periodically just to just to change up your feed a little bit if that's something you're interested in where I'm pondering and where I'm sharing my own journey with you know what it means to both live in a rested way but also what it could mean for all of us to be rested and for the world to be rested and yeah email is there as well for those who are happy to pop into the inbox Amazing. 
Thank you so much for being here and also for being you in the world and sharing it with us. It's so again. mutual. Oh, so mutual. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad, yeah, to be able to walk these paths. Mm-hmm. Me too. Me too. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, please do tap five stars and leave us a nice review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I appreciate it so, so much. And it's a really lovely way to be in exchange with the show, with an indie podcast. You can check out all the links mentioned in this episode in the description, and I'll be back on Monday with another episode. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it and stay in touch on Instagram at E-R-Y-N-J underscore or Patreon until then.